Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hey everybody, we're back with another episode of After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. If you caught our last episode, you may remember that my wife and I just bought a house, and if I had a co-host, now is the moment when he or she would ask me if there were any updates on homeownership, and I would say, yes, thanks for asking. We've been knocking down walls, laying flooring, changing outlets, electrocuting my father-in-law, that small public service announcement, always double-check that the breaker is turned off before rewiring an outlet, and we're almost ready for the big move at the end of the week. So that's pretty exciting. But since I don't have a co-host to ask me about that, I guess I won't mention it. Hey, a quick note about our last episode. It's possible that you listened to a version of my conversation with Nika that seemed to end rather abruptly. Uh, funny story, that's because I uploaded an incomplete version. Total amateur hour. Well, that's been fixed, and now that it's no longer a cliffhanger ending, you can go back and catch the last few minutes. So give that a listen. For now, though, I'm excited to introduce you to this week's guest, Katie. Katie is an alumna from the University of Georgia who now teaches high school math. Uh, we had a great chat. Whether or not you're an educator, I think you'll really enjoy her stories of her early days as a teacher and what it looks like to be a Christian in her field. Katie was also gracious enough to share what she's been learning from God about being single. I hope you enjoy the episode. Here's Katie. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really glad to have you here today. Thank you for having me. So, for those of us who are just meeting you for the first time, Tell me a little bit about who you are. My name is Katie Kyo. I am currently a public high school math teacher in the metro Atlanta area. And I graduated from University of Georgia and I was part of Greek University as an undergraduate. And when was it that you graduated? 2014. So coming up on seven years since graduation? Yes. Is my math right? Okay, nice. How yeah, is... your math is correct. <laughs> okay, how have those seven years been for you? I think it just depends on the day. Some days I'm like, man, so much time has gone by, yet sometimes it feels like it was just yesterday. So it just really depends on the day. What did you study while you were there? Math education. Okay. You are a teacher, so it makes sense that you have been studying yeah, education. I, <laughs> yes. I knew I wanted to be a math teacher pretty early on in college, and I went straight into teaching at 21 or 22, I think. Here I am, still in the field. Usually they say, if past your three-year mark as a teacher, you'll probably stay. So I'm well past the three-year mark. So. Nice. Well, congratulations. Uh, a little bit late, but good job making it past three years. That's awesome. Thank you. How have you been doing as an educator in the world of COVID? It's been very hard. Actually, my school district, we are phasing back in person. So there's a lot of anxiety. We had a lot of people retire or resign in the last month, and I am department chair, so I'm currently short-staffed by five teachers. There's a lot of restrictions because of COVID, because you can't hire uncertified. There's just a lot of things that the school, the administration, and the district is just struggling to handle, and no one really knows what to do, so we're just trying to take it one day at a time. I can't imagine what it must take to be in your shoes on the best of days let alone what the last year must have been like for you and for your colleagues locally and globally. You all have some mental and emotional fortitude that I could only hope 
to have in my life. You are rock stars for doing what you do. Thank you. But I will say, I think COVID has definitely shown just the resilience in, in the students, especially my students. It has been very challenging. As a high school teacher, we do have a lot of training on like mental health with the youth and everything. And I, I personally never really experienced it until COVID. But more than anything, when I was really struggling, my students were actually the ones who noticed that I was not doing okay. And they were the ones who reached out to me. That was one of the biggest reminders I think God really used back in May. But that's a whole different story too. So. <laughs> That's amazing hearing that all of you have been able to really support and carry one another through this season, that it hasn't just been you sort of pulling your students along with you, but that communally, all of you have really carried one another through this time. I will say my students have definitely carried me through more than anything, I think. So I actually, let me kind of give you a backstory. So I've been at my school for six years and it is a title one school. So that's more based on, you know, low income and it is around 90% Hispanic, mostly undocumented families. And the remaining 10% are minorities or immigrant families. And I think because of that, COVID season has been really hard because when Georgia first shut down back in March, March 13th, because that was the day before Pi Day, <laughs> as a math teacher, I have to remember that. When that happened, a lot of our students' parents, they work in like the food industry or the hotel industry. And so when they shut down, they lost all their income. And because of that, most of my students ended up having to go to work. I had a lot of students drop out. I will say for my school, graduating high school is already a really big deal. Going to college is very slim. So not being able to finish high school has been really hard. And there was no graduation ceremony, no prom. You know, those high school memories, they could be good or bad, but those are still memories that every high schooler should have. I think I was just so heartbroken that they never got that chance. And I think my biggest regret was from March until May, we didn't really have any live sessions because no district was ready for the pandemic. So I didn't get any face-to-face -face time with any of them. So I never really got a chance to say goodbye, just especially my seniors. And I think that was my biggest regret. It sounds to me like a lack of closure has been a huge issue across the board. That loss of a piece of that important growing up experience and how hard that must have been for everyone to walk through that. I hope to hear a little bit more about some of the ins and outs of your life as an education, uh, as an educator. Before we go any further into that, though, I would love to step backwards in time and talk just a little bit about your time with InterVarsity. Tell me the story of how you got involved. What did that beginning look like for you? This is actually a very interesting story. So my first semester, I didn't really do university. I actually pledged a sorority that was by pure accident. I really wasn't planning on joining a multicultural sorority. I really didn't fit into the sorority life in general. And I think compared to my sorority sisters, I was very different because I grew up Christian. Really, I didn't party. I didn't really drink. So I think I was more joining it because I grew up in a predominantly Asian high school. And so Coming to University of Georgia, that was a really stark difference. I was kind of looking for that community. But, you know, shortly after joining, it was really hard because I didn't fit in. And I remember coming back that winter break and I was just so upset and so bitter about where I was. And, you know, at that time, I believed in God, but I don't think I personally had a one-on-one -on -one relationship with God. And so that winter break, my sister and I were just chatting. And I was just telling her and she was like, well, you should see if there's anniversary. And she was like, well, let, let's Google this. So we went on the university website. We found Paula Francis' name on the Greek university chapter. And I was like, I don't know, this is weird. She's like, just email her. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. So my sister actually wrote the email for me, press send. And then I was like, okay, let's pray that doesn't work out. Well, I think at the time, Paula Francis, she was on her honeymoon or something, but she ended up emailing me two weeks later. And she was like, hey, you want to grab coffee? And you know, Paula Francis, she's just so like welcoming. And I just remember 
going to meet up with her for coffee and I was just so terrified. And I, I don't think I was truly really involved until probably later on, like my junior, senior year. This was towards the end of freshman year, but that was the start of Greek University for me. So kind of a weird story. <laughs> That's fantastic. Family and friends getting you in there. Like, no, you're going to send this email. I will write it for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I really didn't have a choice, though. <laughs> right. And then the dreaded first one-on-one with this staff worker that you've never met before. Those are always such nerve-wracking experiences. Yeah, that was so nerve-wracking because I think at the time the website didn't have pictures. So I was like, I don't know who Paula Francis is. And Paula Francis just wrote in the email, I'm a really tall white girl (laughs) and I will wait for you. I was like, okay. In my head, I was like, University of Georgia's campus is largely white. How am I supposed to find you? But she is indeed very tall. So it was very easy to spot her. That's a great introductory story. Okay, so you said that you were part of a sorority. Uh, Can I ask you uh, what sorority you were a part of? Delta Phi Lambda. It's an Asia interest sorority, and it was actually founded at UGA. You said coming in that some of the sorority culture that you were stepping into was a little bit different than what you grew up experiencing. What was that like? Were you a part of that for your whole college career? I was. So I think when I first entered the sorority, it was was hard because I also had a huge self-righteous problem back then that Paula Francis had to really help me work through that. um, You know, My staff worker helped me through the same thing, Katie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I think actually looking back, the sorority was actually God's biggest blessing to me. Um, I think God taught me a lot about humility, taught me a lot about my own brokenness and how equally sinful of the person I am as everyone else. But actually some of my best friends are from the sorority. It was a really precious time. And I think college is always a very unique experience where you're always with your friends. For my case, I was always with my sorority sisters all the time, hanging out and, you know, just really living life with people who I normally wouldn't gravitate to being friends with. I think that's a unique thing about being in a sorority. You're kind of forced to, quote unquote, to become friends with other people. But I guess also forcing you to see beyond, you know, your normal circle of friends. And I think that's what God really calls us to do, to reach the lost. And thankfully enough, you know, I was able to start at least a one semester Bible study during my senior year. So that was a huge praise. So then let's fast forward a little bit. You've already talked a little bit about stepping into your senior year. You had this one semester Bible study that started. So you're approaching graduation. And I assume that you probably have visions of what the future is going to look like post-graduation. What were the things that you were anticipating happening for you when you graduated from college? So I was always told college life and university is very different. So you're going to have to make a commitment to find a church. And in terms of my job, everyone tells me, teacher, teaching is going to be hard. But, you know, I was still excited. What was reality like when you stepped into it? We'll talk about work first. So I actually wanted to teach high school. That was my goal. But coming in mid-year, is really hard to find a job. So I just took whatever job I had offered. And it was a middle school position. And I was 22. I was like, oh, middle school is not going to be that bad. I had a kid throw a desk at me the second day of school. I had weed problems. I had a lot of other child pornography issues. And that half year teaching from January to May, I cried every single day. And I had to pray in the car before I walked into the building and ask God to calm my nerves and give me physical and spiritual strength because I did not know how I was going to make it out at four o'clock. I was going to quit teaching because that half year was miserable. Well, that summer, my dad was traveling for work. He's in Australia. And he was like, hey, Katie, you want to come along? And I was like, okay, I have summer off perks of being a teacher. And I went hiking one time and I was just at this mountain. And I remember just sitting there and journaling. And I was like, God, I don't know if teaching is meant for me. I feel like I wasted my college. Last year was so miserable. If this is truly your calling for me, you need to make it work. At the same time, I also made a list of everything 
I did not like about my middle school experience and what I was going to change about myself as a teacher. And I remember asking God for wisdom. God, how do I fix this? How do I fix this disciplinary issue? Fast forward to fall 2015 that I started at this new school. Technically, compared to the middle school, it's a lot worse in terms of discipline and other issues. And they're high school students. But I think God knew half a year was enough time to let me experience what I did not like and give me enough wisdom as to how I could make an action plan as to how I can move forward. Um, because when I started in 2015, I remember my assistant principal of discipline came up to me at the end of the year. He was like, you know, Katie, I was so worried about you because you're just like petite little Asian girl. And I was so worried that you were going to have all these issues, but like, you had no issues. Like you're actually quite terrifying. And I was like, <laughs> I look back now and I'm like, God knew. Even though that half year, I, I quit every day, God knew that was the perfect amount of time and the perfect amount of experiences that I could endure that could really shape me to become the teacher I was. And another big blessing that came out of that was my next door neighbor. She was like a 30 year veteran teacher. She's actually a Christian, but she was also someone who started teaching at 21 and she became my mentor. And she's a really big reason why I ended up staying in the field. And I think God knew how much I needed someone to just to show me and understand where I was coming from. That's probably my biggest prayer that God ever answered because she's actually become a really dear friend to me too. And, you know, she actually retired the end of last year. So this year has been also really hard because it's been like my first year without her. Wow. What an amazing story. And I think that this is something that a lot of people are experiencing is that they leave college and even if it's them stepping technically into their field, so many people are starting in a place that they didn't want to start or that they didn't expect to start. And they're having these really hard experiences that they wouldn't have asked for and that they're kind of brought to this same place of like, I'm ready to be done. This sucks. This is not what I signed up for. And that it's in the midst of that time that God is working and shaping and developing them for the next thing so that they can see, wow, God was at work through that really crappy situation, preparing me for this and even bringing in people that were going to be so important to my life and helping develop me in these amazing ways. And your conversation with God when you were journaling on this trip with your dad, the first thing that came to my mind was Moses when he's talking to God. And he's like, if you're not going to go with us, don't even send me. I just don't even want to go there. And then that's when God shows up in this really amazing way. And he says, I do favor you. I know your name. I will go ahead of you. And then that's when he shows Moses his glory and announces all of these qualities about who he is. It's almost like Moses is brought to this breaking point. And then God's like, all right, this is where I wanted you to be in preparation for the next step. And then that's when you see Moses falling on his face for the people in this community that are treating him and Aaron and God so horribly. And he's fighting for them because now he actually owns the situation. He loves them and cares for them. And before that time, he wasn't ready for that kind of leadership. And now he steps into these really hard places. Yeah, I just wish God was more clear and spoke to me more directly. I think I can look <laughs> back now and say that. But I will say that first two-year experience, that just really showed me. God truly knows exactly what we need. Because if you told me while well, a kid was throwing a desk at me or a child was cursing me out during my middle school year that I needed this, I would have just laughed. And the funny thing is a couple of years ago, I got asked to lead a professional development for teachers as to how to build discipline structure in your classroom. And I was like laughing with my mom. I was like, mom, you know how miserable I was and how <laughs> awful it was. Why are they asking me to do it now? It's just so funny how everything worked out. So still sitting in this 
work experience. What is it like to live out your faith in your current place of work? I think being a teacher, it's a little bit harder because you have to be very careful what we say. I've seen a lot of repercussions happen to a lot of my coworkers due to voicing political beliefs, religious views. So you have to be very careful. But I think for me, you know, God has given me a heart for my students. That's totally from God. It's not me naturally. And I think because of that, wanting to help and serve the community is just always there. Because I think, you know, if I talked to a lot of my friends, a lot of my students were like, why are you still at the school? Because I tell them all the things that have happened. They're like, Katie, why would you endure all that? And I think for me, God has been silent about a lot of things. Like, for example, my singleness. But in terms of my job and my career, God has been so clear. Every time I've wanted to quit, maybe a couple of days later, someone will say something to me or God will speak to me somehow. So this was actually one thing I also put on my list. I told God I really wanted a spiritual community at my job. And I actually have two coworkers. They're in their late 60s, close to retirement, but they both pray for me every morning. And how that all happened was they were just asking, how's your weekend going? Well, one of them went, I was like, oh yeah, I was at church of a small group, you know, which is very open about it. And they're like, oh, tell me more. And then I realized they were a Christian, you know, you kind of just end up talking. And then my spiritual mom, I have a lot of moms at work. We actually met because I was teaching a special ed class at the time and she was put in my class. And I actually have this, like, I remember it was a white elephant gift at church for small group and it had on 43 on there. It was like, it was okay. And I was like, let me just put it on my desk as a reminder. And that day, one of my students actually knocked it down and it cracked. And I was so mad. Where I had put it was kind of hidden in view, but because it was shattered, I had put it on my desk. Well, this lady at work, she actually saw it. She was like, Katie, you're a Christian. And then because of that plaque and it got shattered, we actually started talking about our faith. So she actually texts me every morning, whatever verse she's reading that really speaks to her. And especially during this COVID season, she's been praying for me and it's been a really big blessing. Wow. Those unexpected places that you encounter a faith community. And for you, it was directly a response to God answering prayer. I remember going into grad school and I grew up in Christian schools all the way through college. And then I go to grad school, my first state school experience. I think very similarly to you entering into a sorority and kind of being thrown off balance by like, this is just different than what I'm used to. That was the same thing for me encountering my grad school friends who all went to state schools. I think almost all of them had some sort of spiritual background, but for basically all of them, it wasn't something that they were interested in anymore. And I just remember feeling so alone, like there's no one here. And there were a few different things that happened. One being getting connected to InterVarsity that was huge. The other thing was finding out that one of my professors in my program was a Christian. And it was one of those things where it was the way that he said something in class. I can't even remember what it was, but it almost felt like he was speaking in code to any other Christian in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, this dude is a Christian. I know it. And then that just opened the door to this really helpful friendship. Overall, the world of psychology is atheist and agnostic, as far as I understand. So then to come to this program and to find a Christian faculty member that I can connect with, I can so identify with the relief, the thank you, God, that there's somebody I can go into their office and I can ask questions about what is it like to be in this position and to be a Christian. We're still good friends today. I'm really grateful for him. Katie, I have a hard shift for us here. This was something that you mentioned that I didn't realize. If it's 
a topic you would rather not talk about, say so, and we will move forward. You mentioned one of the questions that you keep bringing up to God is questions about singleness. Is that something that you'd be willing to share a little bit about? Because I think that oftentimes we can almost identify single people as being deficient in one way or another, that part of their life is missing. I think that that's totally untrue. And I wonder if you would be willing to just speak a little bit about what your experience has been like post-college as a single person. Yeah, I can definitely speak on this. It's actually a topic my students actually are very curious about because, you know, they don't care about school. They care about my personal life. Um, so right now, I think I'm in the season of my life where actually I'm okay with singleness. I mean, I would like to get married if that's God's plan for me, but I think I'm okay in this chapter right now of where I am. And as a female, and especially in the South, it is a little bit harder just with the stereotypes and how traditionally everything is done, right? So I will say... You know, I was bitter at God for a while. People used to tell me like, okay, like singleness is a gift. And I heard this from one of my pastors before. It's like, sometimes it's just like a really crappy birthday gift. You're like, God, I don't want this, you know? (laughs) But I think there have been moments where God has definitely revealed to me that, for example, at my job, the reason I'm able to serve so much is because I am single. I am able to provide tutoring after school, do a lot of things for my students because I am single. Because if I was married, like there's no way I could invest this much time. I think that's been the biggest thing that has kept me going. Not saying that I haven't been bitter. I have had many seasons where it's been hard, especially when everyone's getting engaged. And I'm at this age right now where people are starting to get pregnant. And then because of my high school that I work at, I have a lot of teen moms as my students. So they're like, miss, when are you going to have a kid? I want our children to be friends. I was like, uh, not married yet. And I think as a high school teenager, having a boyfriend or girlfriend is kind of like your status. So for my students, they think it's like bizarre that I'm at this age where I'm not married yet. And they're really concerned for me. They're like, try to give me suggestions. I'm like, I'm okay. But they're like, Miss, I just want you to be happy. I was like, I am happy. Okay. I think singleness is something God is trying to grow me still in. There is loneliness and singleness, but there's also loneliness in other things. Like right now, I think I'm actually feeling more lonely because of work, because of the pandemic all of my close friends have retired or resigned or they went to a different school. So that's also a type of loneliness that I never really thought about. Because I think most people think singleness equals loneliness, but I'm sure you've also still experienced loneliness as a married person. That doesn't go away. I think our lives, whether you are married or unmarried, are a constant journey of discovering what wholeness is. And I think as Christians, we have a very different perspective on what it means to be whole and complete, knowing that God is the one who fills all of the gaps in my life, who gives me the things that I need, which is easy to say and is much harder to live out day to day. But I can tell you that, yes, as a married person, you still experience loneliness. You still experience questions about what it means to be complete, about what it means to be in pursuit of something that will fulfill. Those things don't go away just because you're married, which to me then eliminates that dichotomy of married versus single as far as what it means to be living a complete life. That's such a deception. And that's not to say that there aren't like really great things and fun, fulfilling-esque things that happen as a result of being married, but you are a complete person because God created you. And I think that that is the message that we so often miss out on and that even the most well-meaning of Christian communities really forget to communicate to the people around us that married or single, you are complete from the beginning because God has created you and you were made in his image. Katie, thanks a lot for sharing that. I know that those can be fairly vulnerable parts of real life to share and aren't, aren't always easy to share with random people you don't Yeah, I think more people should talk about it. I think 
people don't really share as honestly how much they're truly struggling with it. Because you also see people who are so happy and you don't want to be like a dead downer. But I can't hide how I'm feeling, but I'll just share what I can. Uh, no, that's great. Katie, I have one last question. Looking back on all this time and all of the experiences that you had, if there's someone listening right now who is about to graduate or who just recently graduated and is just stepping into these experiences for themselves, is there a word of advice that you would give them? So there's, there's one part in scripture. It says, make your petition known to God and God hears everything. I, I think sometimes we forget that because he doesn't answer us directly. Sometimes we want an immediate response, but I would encourage just be honest, at least verbally say it or journal it so you can look back. But I think if you just make it known to God what you really want, I think God, if it's meant for you, he will answer. But if not, he will at least show you the way. I look back and I think that's just been the biggest thing is just being able to be honest and vulnerable with God. Because I think sometimes we put him as like an earthly father where we can hold back a little bit. So I don't think we really need to. He just wants us to tell him everything and really just be there for us. Great encouragements for us, for sure. A faithfulness to prayer and waiting on God as we look for his answers and just being open. And how often do we hold back rather than just bearing our soul to God? I've had some very refreshing conversations that at the end, I felt the need to apologize to God for like, okay, I'm sorry that those are the words that I chose for this conversation, but I, I just needed you to know exactly where I was. And, and it is just nice to know that God can handle that stuff. Katie, thank you so much for investing your time, for sharing your life with everyone who's listening here. This has been a real joy for me to get to chat with you and to get to know you a little bit and, and to hear your stories. I'm really grateful. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I have to say, one of the great things for me about hosting this podcast is the chance to step into the life of someone whose profession or life experiences differ so much from mine. Hearing Katie talk about her time as an educator, both during and outside of COVID, really makes me want to say thank you to all the teachers and professors who invested so many thankless hours in me and my classmates. Not an easy job. So thank you. And to all of you who are teaching during this crazy pandemic season, Thanks for all that you've done and continue to do as well. You really are heroes. Thanks again to Katie for joining me today. I had a great time chatting. And thanks to all of you for listening. I love getting to hang out together. Come back next week to listen to my conversation with Steve, an IV alum and pastor in the Twin Cities area of Minnesota. He has some helpful insights on why post-college adults are struggling to connect with churches and steps they and the churches they're checking out can take to help the process. Until then, see you next time, alumni. Alumni.